We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two pitch, ball line to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well. And it's gone. Robin. A two-run home run. The Brewers take the lead. Morgan, a smash up the middle. Base hit the center. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast. Adam, uh, listeners, if you've been listening to this podcast for most of our run and at least the last month and a half, you know that I'm someone that truly understands the point in a road trip when you've just been gone too long and you really need to be at home. And that is where the Milwaukee Brewers find themselves this week after completing a daunting road trip against uh, the San Diego Padres, St. Louis Cardinals and Chicago Cubs, 11 games, um, a double header in the mix, just a bullpen getting run into the ground because of the nature of the schedule. And, they came out on the other other side okay with a six and five record, two game lead still in the NL Central. They're back home, ready to take on the Padres again. So they 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 don't get the needed off day that they need until Monday, but they are back and sleeping in their own beds and, and ready to to see the fans at at AmFam. Adam, uh, how you doing today? Glad glad to join you. I'm doing well. So what we're going with is the Brewers are essentially. You, when you were podcasting from a hotel near Manchester Airport with COVID, just desperate to get home, but unable to do so. Exactly. Uh, the... They were even they were even kind of as within like within reach. You were so close to the airport, and yet so far, I mean, the Brewers have been in Chicago the last few days, and yet it's not Milwaukee. Exactly, and their ailments um, are injuries. Bullpen arms going down, starters going down. Hunter Renfro still out. Willie Adamas faces a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A hiccup in his uh, in his rehab as now he has added a a quad injury to the mix despite his ankle seeming to improve. So yeah, they're they're really going through it right now and uh, like just trying to get on the other side and that's part of the marathon of 162 game baseball season. Uh, the last 162 games, Andrew, is it a good idea? Um, it's definitely not. 
I can't see it going away, but it is not good for human beings and their bodies that this is what is asked of them. It really, truly is. A season is a war of attrition. Uh, a, a lot. I have a friend who's a big Dodgers fan, and he just couldn't find it within himself to enjoy the World Series after the 60-game season. He was like, it, it was fake baseball. They didn't have to go through all the trials and tribulations of a full season, which is what makes baseball what it is. You get to the playoffs, and where are you with your roster? Where are you with your performance? Like, and, and a hot and cold streak for a certain player. And then you go into this absolute crap shoot and see what happens. Uh, so I kind of get his point from, from that standpoint. And it really just shows the importance of roster building throughout your organization because as we've seen it's been kind of just a back and forth exchange of pitchers from nashville to the brewers the last few weeks and i mean just surviving moments like this in the season are are what leads to teams winning divisions uh winning number one seeds i mean i want to just coming out of, of this with two splits against nl central opponents may seem you know, a little disappointing. But then I, after last night's loss, I started scrolling Twitter and I saw the stat about uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers basically beating the hell out of everyone and being one in five against the Pittsburgh Pirates this year. It's like baseball's just stupid sometimes. But uh, despite the split, uh, this was a, a series of positives and negatives of things we've been looking forward to and things that surprised us. Um, I think the first thing I want to talk about is obviously I've been talking up Ethan Small all season waiting patiently for his debut that debut came and it was kind of in the negative sense but also the positive there's it was we we watched an ethan small minor league start and it was a microcosm of what he is as a pitcher and it ended up being okay and then in his mlb debut it was the opposite we see him what makes him so appealing uh, a deceptive fastball that really gets up on hitters and misses bats he had four strikeouts and then in the third inning, things just fell apart. Four walks and his day ends early because I think Craig Council was definitely trying to protect his confidence in his Major League Baseball debut. So tough first outing for Ethan Small. Another thing is I tried to get as Southern impossible in the la- as Southern as possible in the last uh, podcast talking up his college exploits at Mississippi State. But uh, to your point, there is nothing that can replicate Memorial Day at Wrigley Field <laughs> in your first ever start. You're and saying I was right. It's on- Oh yeah, of course. I, I, Adam, I'm nothing if not. Oh, that's because uh, see, you convinced me successfully last time that well, I was like, oh, okay, he's, and then he came out really strong. I, I, I'm interested in overall the decision that council made at that point to protect him. I think he could have let that go a little bit longer, and I honestly think he kind of had to, and we've seen the knock-on effect of it in the days since. Because having a starter not even make it to three innings when that's the first leg of a doubleheader, you're on this absolutely grueling road trip. Um, it's not even just a stretch in the schedule generally where that's going to ease up. I mean, you're home and then you're going to have another grueling road trip soon. Obviously, all the injuries. I don't know. I Particularly even the way that game was, it, the way it played out, like, well, very literally, Ethan Small did not lose the game for the Brewers because the Brewers, in fact, won the game. Um, I wonder, is there room for just a little bit more there? Because when we get to the opposite end of this series, we're going to see an example of another pitcher from Nashville who actually had more immediate troubles, troubles with walks, managed to get out of the first inning or managed to get out of that trouble inning for him, which is the difference. But we saw the reward that came with, you know what? This is tough. This is not ideal for any of us, but you've got to kind of work through some of this and it's going to be part of the experience. Do you think it was the right thing just as early? Like, I'm not talking about leave him out to dry for six innings and it's like, oh, well, the Cubs have scored 15 runs and letting that happen. Um, but it was it was a tough inning, but he also had shown a lot of good stuff. I'm particularly because the concern is he's got this tendency to walk guys. You want to see him do that to some extent, 
and then show the kind of the ability to snap out of it and to regain control in a lot of ways like it would have been a perfect opportunity to just say okay we're going to roll with this a little bit because this is exactly the kind of scenario we need him to figure out because if we do well then we've got a hell of a picture i don't have a problem with removing him there because it had gotten to the point where it looked like he could not find the zone i mean what what do you throw 69 pitches 30 38 strikes 31 balls not ideal uh i don't think the mistake was there i think it came two games later um oh sure i'm not i'm not even i'm i'm not even going down that road just yet i just think it's interesting how much does it even protect the guy's confidence when he's pulled that early i think there's a kind of an interesting debate to be had on that too yeah i mean it's a case-by-case basis uh obviously but considering i i think this was just a long road decision in mind and Ethan Small is someone that figures to be in the Brewers rotation at some point for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And and I is as callous as it may be, I don't think they view Jason Alexander in the same way. So they were 100%. more willing to to like, let's see what happens here. And you're at the end of a series. The decisions made in game one that led to the bullpen getting stretched out are now like actual impediments and you have really no choice when at that time you had a choice and you can say to yourself, well, maybe Ashby goes deep on Tuesday. Maybe Lauer has another seven inning outing. So I think there's merits to, to both decisions there. And I think, you know, small very well may have pitched his way out of the, the inning, but four walks just comes to a point where you start to wonder if it's, if it's possible just from a psychological standpoint. And like I said, it's a case by case basis. And so I, it's a, it's a coin flip either way in that situation. And to, (laughs) to the credit of this Brewers team is they didn't let that keep them from winning the baseball game. I mean, so in that disaster third inning, four walks from small and he ends up allowing two earned runs, uh, the Brewers had been up one nothing going into that inning because Jace Peterson had homered, and Jace Peterson continues to show why he's an essential part of this Brewers roster build. Because, I mean, think about where we've been in this season, being without uh, Luis Urias to start the year, being without Willie Adamas now, being without Hunter Renfro now, and to plug a guy into literally any position other <laughs> other than I think shortstop and catcher this year and center field are the only places I think he hasn't found time at a certain point in the season and he just goes out there and looks like he could play that position every day uh so huge shout out to Jace Peterson there uh and even beyond Ethan Small game one could have gotten away from this team because you you go up one nothing in the third the Cubs answer with two uh you grab another tits tie the score in the fourth casting here a single scores in Arvaez and it's two, two and then homers in the fourth off Trevor, he- Trevor Kelly from PJ Higgins, which sounds like a law office temp. And then Rafael Ortega makes it four, two and then everyday outfielder say it with me, everyday outfielder, Tyrone Taylor Homer makes it four, four. This game was just kind of a, it was like watching ping pong because it was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, uh, at, at no point did I feel confident that the Brewers were going to win this game. And then in the end, it's just elation. I did feel confident at one point that they were going to win the game. And that was when Josh Hayward uh, came in. Okay. Uh, yes, you agree that is that, a great right? point. <laughs> well, I, I changed my mind that I felt confident as well uh, when Luis Urias hit a three-run home run to make it 7-4. That also And helped. then my confidence was shaken in the seventh inning as – as the Cubs clawed their way back to, to seven, six. But then when the baseball is in Josh Hader's hands, uh, it's like, it's like being under a weighted blanket and you're like, there's a very real chance that, you know, maybe a runner will reach, but in this case they didn't, but there's also a very real tra- chance that nobody touches a baseball in this inning. And, and that's what happened. Josh Hader comes in on the night uh, and allows one hit, but then strikes out three and, a game that looked like it could have gotten away several times. Um, We've been looking forward to this game so long. And I do want to say, I think Ethan Small is going to be fine. I mean, 
the, the tweets going around uh, in the aftermath were of the uh, positive nature. And I think they should be about Aaron Ashby's uh, debut start. I think it was against the Cubs as well, but I think that one was at home and uh, it didn't go so well. And now he's looks like a key cog in the rotation. He could be an elite uh, bullpen arm. He's, he looks incredible. So I think, I think that kind of career trajectory is in the cards for Ethan Small. I mean, the one thing on that is the age difference. Because am I right in saying Ethan Small is older than Ashby right now? I believe I am. Yeah, uh, Ethan Small is 25, Aaron Ashby's 24. Okay. I'm particularly now we're, whatever, we're four days removed. I, I look back on the Ethan Small start with quite a lot of, you know, excitement and enthusiasm at this point like we we knew what the issues were we had talked about it in advance as you said after um we had a, a recent kind of drop in on the Nashville sounds to to check out one of his starts we saw a sampling of you know how it goes really well for him and how it goes poorly i think really crucial because he's a little bit unconventional in terms of how he gets the job done. You've talked a lot about that kind of deceptive high spin rate that's crucial for his pitches. Well, all of that works. You know, that works against major league players. Like, that was, at no point was that the issue. And when he's finding his own, like, watch out. Like, there wasn't a whole lot the, the Cubs could do. Four strikeouts in two and two-thirds innings, that's tested to that. And were they all in the first two innings? Did he get? I can't quite remember. But regardless, no mean feat. Like his his stuff works. Now it's just about okay. Well, we knew what the problem was. We saw that that is also a problem at the major league level. I don't know if it's a greater problem. Like I I would love and I hope he gets another chance very soon to pick up a start like this. And let's just see. Like let's see. Okay, if it's a home start where there's an entire stadium of people who are cheering him on, what difference does that make with the the debut out of the way, all of that kind of thing? Like, remove a lot of that and let's see it happen again. Is he going to walk guys? Sure. But does he find it easy to kind of rally out of that quicker where it's it's not a big issue? I think you've got to take in some exceptional circumstances to it, being his debut, being away from home, one of the most iconic stadiums in baseball, at one of the Brewers fiercest rivals. So all of that does not set up for an ideal debut. And yet true two innings. Anyway, he looked absolutely sensational. Like he looked electric, a lot of fun to watch. So as we've got some distance, I mean, if this was the game yesterday, we'd probably have more to dwell on, on the negative of where it didn't work out for him. But I do feel very encouraged by what was there because the good is at a level where it's like, oh yeah, not just will this work, it's going to be really, really good, even up with the Brewers. Like, he is going to cause teams absolute nightmares if he can just get a handle on the walks. And the unique nature of his stuff is still what excites me as well, just because uh, now he was dialing it up to 94. It was clear the adrenaline was pumping on some pitches, but just watching him miss bats up at the zone at 92. And I can't remember from what reporter was it Will Salmon or Adam McAlvey? You were you sent me an anecdote that Keston Hero was talking to a player in the the minors uh, during a, a small start who bunted for a hit, and Hero is at second base talking to him or first base wherever he was playing. He's like, "You're hitting 380. Why did you bunt?" And he was like, "You don't understand. We can't see the changeup out of his hand." So just watching him can continue to refine his command so that the stuff can can work for him is is an exciting prospect moving forward but like we said uh the brewers did get the seven six win in game one and then i got i got my second lefty in game two and this one went exactly to plan uh do you want to just fill in because let's why don't we talk through how your day actually played out where you watched eaton small oh, start yes and before you went to watch our Ashby start you did drop in on a whole other bunch of future brewers I did. Um, so doubleheader Memorial Day set up perfectly for me. Uh, the 7-6 win in game one and then slotted right in the middle uh, a couple miles from my house. The Durham Bulls were taking on the Nashville Sounds at 5 o'clock, so I was able to 
to go over there, open a, a few bre- beverages, not sport wine, which you'll know if you've been in a playback with us, uh, but just a couple of Bull Durham light beers and and watch some some uh, some future Brewers play. It was a two hit day from Bryce Terang. Unfortunately, Willie Adamas was not in the lineup as expected. It, it was expected that he would begin his uh, second rehab stint. He played one game for the Carolina Mudcats. And since the sounds were in Durham, which is just down the road from the Mudcats, it was thought he would start his uh, second game of his rehab. Didn't happen because uh, as we would learn, he's having some quad discomfort. Uh, but yeah, it was cool to see the sounds. Uh, David Dahl, an intriguing option in the outfield. John Singleton swinging for the fences. I think I saw an Abraham Almonte home run, who's not necessarily going to factor into the big league team. I think he was on, has gotten big league t- time with the Braves and Yankees in the past. Uh, got to see Pablo Reyes, Mario Feliciano. It was uh, it was a good time. I was excited to be in the presence of uh, Brewers uh, farmhands. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And you were quite taken with Bryce Sarang, just to, I guess, circle back for him. You were talking him up a little bit to me at the time, and obviously he is one of the the more notable prospects in the organization in terms of trying to plan out what players could factor into the Brewers in a major way. Yeah, he's slumping right now. I think his OPS is down in the low of 700s, but minor league statistics take him with a grain of salt. What you're really looking for is development down there. And, you know, but he, he kind of exudes this quiet confidence. He looks, he just looks really cool out there. He looks smooth. His actions at shortstop, like, he, he's a very smooth infielder. Didn't get to see him in the outfield, but, I mean, it's easy to imagine um, him coming up to the big leagues and slotting in at short for a spot start or at second if things continue to... If the need uh, arises, uh, like it probably has at yeah, least. If the, <laughs> if the need arises, which it has and may continue. But, yeah, that was a, that was a nice... Uh, I had the appetizer. And then I had some brunch, and then the main course was Aaron Ashby, uh, and the dessert was a Josh Hader second day save. Um, but yeah, I mean, this—I I don't want to say it's—I mean, it might be as impressed as I've been with Ashby this year. Um, I, I maybe you wish he had gotten through uh, seven, but I, you know, I think it came to the point where 
may even though the pitch count was low maybe they were trying to extend things too far which i get as we were saying like this is a daunting daunting stretch of games where your bullpen's just getting a ton of usage but six innings pitch five hits one run two walks 12 strikeouts i mean when when he's locked in with his command and two walks out of him in six innings i'll take that uh every day and twice on sunday even though it was monday when he's locked in with his command He's got the breaking ball that's just devastating and then dialing it up to 99 miles an hour from from his kind of funky arm slot and delivery. Like, good luck at the plate there. Just incredibly impressed with what Ashby brought in game two of that doubleheader. Yeah, seeing 99 from him, that was new. I don't feel like I've quite seen that um, up until this point in the season. So that's always encouraging, but particularly because he has a pretty varied arsenal at this point. And just a guy that again it's like how are opponents going to work out the puzzle that is Aaron Ashby I don't think you really can unless he is giving away lots of walks and when he kind of really hones in like he did in this occasion 12 strikeouts only two walks I mean it's it's pretty close to impossible like it's take your chances when they rise and good luck like there was a, a single shot for Contreras right off of Ashby that's I mean, really the only thing of any kind of substance that he gave up. Um, don't remember any extra base hits. Don't see any here in the box score. Nope. Um, so just a really great controlled start from him. Um, very encouraging given, okay, we know Freddie's out for a significant period of time. So the idea of, okay, where Ashby figures into the bullpen what you're doing with a fifth starter then when Brandon Woodruff's back, which should still be sooner rather than later. I mean, maybe they still end up with some different ideas on that, but this start, like if, if Ashby can put another one like this together, I don't know if there's ever a kind of turning back from that. It's just like, he's clearly a guy who his destiny is to be a really high caliber starter for a number of years if he's there right now and he proves he's there right now, I, I think there's probably no turning back. Like I think we talked about going into the series. If Eden Small hadn't had trouble and he'd kind of carried on what he was doing through two innings in game one, well then maybe you still see them kind of take an approach and Woodruff comes back and being like, you know what? Eden Small's ready. He, he can be the fifth starter. Ashby can get some starts here and there, but we need a quality bullpen arm too. who have got multiple innings, which, my God, this team needs a quality bullpen arm who can go multiple innings. Um, we'll we'll use them there. But as things stand, I think it it probably is going to trend to making more sense from the start. If this is what he can put out there. Uh, we had talked about, I think, a lot of his best games to this point had come with him in the bullpen role, but this was really taking it up a level as a starter. So very, very positive and exciting to see from Aaron Ashby. Absolutely. Uh, I wrote in the sub stack that you all just read to completion that Brewers fans have known the future is bright for Ashby, but now it's clear the present is pretty damn bright too. And with the injuries to Woodruff and Peralta, the Brewers needed to be, and he stepped up. Uh, for a moment, this looked like it was going to be another high-scoring back-and-forth game. Rowdy doubles to start the scoring in the fourth, then the aforementioned Wilson Contreras solo shot to tie the game. Uh, Wilson Contreras just continues to do nothing to him endear himself to me. Uh, but every good story needs a villain, and I've I've got a villain. Oh, he's... story. Although although his team is irrelevant, so who cares? But he Go does ahead. a very good job of making himself the central villain every time the Cubs factor back into this story. It's it's amazing to me, and I knew he did this. But every at bat, at one point, he'll turn in on an inside strike and. Get put his elbow, elbow out, out yeah. over the plate. But then if he gets hit, he acts like it's some great atrocity and he has been so wrong. It's by the fact he's it. been hit twice as often than any other player in Major League Baseball this season. You, yeah, think, he, you think he'd be over it at this point? He invites it. He yes. That elbow is, oh, I'm not a fan. Uh, but anyway, uh, Victor Caratini would... Before, before Caratini, I think the thing that's crucial here, because we can't talk about Ashby and his great start without talking about what really retained um, that very handsome-looking line he has, which is he got into some pretty deep, deep waters. 
some real trouble at the end being stretched out a little bit further. And Brad Boxberger came in with an unbelievably unenviable task. Yeah. To me, this is maybe my favorite inning of the season, just for the sheer like terror, adrenaline, and then relief and joy that came out of it. Um, no outs, right? When Box came in, no outs, bases lowered. Correct. Yep. Yep. Like, doesn't get much worse. It really, it actually doesn't get any worse. Um, and you're trying to think of, okay, even with, with Box's style, is there any way to get out of this without kind of shipping a run or maybe two runs? Not entirely sure. You're looking for some pop-ups. How's this going to happen? And he just pitched an absolutely incredible inning. Seven pitches. No big deal. Out of trouble. And, uh, yeah, so Patrick Wisdom single, uh, Velasquez infield single, and then uh, Clint Frazier reached on a bunt to load the bases. So hard luck from Ashby to get in that spot. But then Box, I mean, was nails. Strikeout and then a, I think it was a five, what was it, a, a five, two, three put out? Because, it, yeah, it was a ground ball to Peterson at third. Then he, he went home yes. into first. I'm tr- yes. So it was, uh, it was quite... Uh, a unique double play in and of itself to get out of the the inning. And like you said, uh, the Brewers (laughs) need multi-inning bullpen arms for earlier in the game. So Brad Boxberger doesn't have to be forced into that situation, but asked to come in and, and do a job and really get you out of trouble in a tight ball game. He did it. Um, And then he was actually forced himself into being the multi-inning guy. Yes. He get because that was not the end of his day. He would throw a scoreless inning after that to bridge the gap between Ashby and Josh Hader. Uh, yeah, quite quite impressive work. Obviously, I, I, I say obviously, but it shouldn't be obvious, I guess, because of what Hader did. But uh, Devin Williams had had been in in Game One, so understandably, Council did not want to try and uh, make two of his key bullpen arms <laughs> go twice in one day. Uh, the rest of the runs uh, to make it 3-1 for the Brewers was a Car- Victor Caratini solo shot who continues to be just a great acquisition by David Stearns and company. Obviously, the Severino news comes through in the worst possible like timing, and they make a move to acquire a guy who has done well at the plate, done well behind the plate for the most part, um, in a timeshare with Omar Narvaez, and really is slotted into this team seamlessly. Um, and then Tyrone Taylor had hit a solo shot in the eighth to finish the scoring. Hader saves his second game of the day. Brewers win 3-1. Um, just uh, a lot of uh, thin margins in this one. And like you said, it's essential that Brad Boxberger did what he did to keep them in this baseball game. I, I think it was game. with this game that the Brewers officially sealed their best yeah it was because this was a 50 game mark their best start in franchise history through 50 games which is no small feat um and if i'm remembering correctly on hater it was the first brewer to have multiple saves in the same day in like was it since 2013 something like that's maybe 2015 um, many many years is the point not something you're going to see every day not something you're going to see every season and it was a little surprising that he was asked to do that because you just think okay you're going to be more cautious with him than anyone else um, the next day when you know high stake situation arises no hater and even Beyond that, I mean, it's it's something that I think Council has talked about. Obviously, you don't expect him the next day, but the day after that, he's not available either. True, an abundance of caution seems to be how kind of Council put it, which is understandable. But then also putting him out there twice a day was not an abundance of caution. Just there, the Brewers are in a really tough spot right now with injuries and a lot of decisions that I don't think Council would want to make under any kind of normal circumstances. They haven't been in normal circumstances, so they're having to adjust and to try to just work their way through it. 
they're doing a really good job of working their way through it. And I actually think they're also getting a little unlucky. Like some of these games, they could just with a tiny bit more without any kind of massive changes to what's going on, the game decisions they could win. There may be some other spots then where they're not helping themselves with decisions, but they're, they're giving it everything they can. Like guys are quite literally pushing their bodies to limits that you ideally wouldn't. Um, you don't usually see Brad Boxberg on multiple innings. You don't usually see Josh Hader uh, pitch twice in a day, but they're doing what needs to be done. And largely the Brewers are getting the job done. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think game three of this series is where the attrition in the bullpen really started to, mm-hmm. to rear its head. Um, this is a, so we'll, we'll accelerate a little bit. I won't go blow for blow just because we're recapping a four game series. It's a, it's a three, three game in the, the six inning picture Caratini hits a three run homer to make it six, three. The Brewers look like they're in a really good spot, but Eric Lauer pitch count got up. He only went four innings. Hobie Milner uh, threw a scoreless fifth, I believe. And then you get to the sixth inning in a situation where you'd probably normally want to use Trevor got in that situation. And, and on a normal day in that, you get to a situation where Lauer's gone four, Milner's gone one, and you have six, seven, eight left. If you have a rested bullpen, you'd want to go Gott, Box, Williams, Hater. But Council knows he has to use Gott later because Hater and Williams are are likely unavailable just because they've been stretched so thin. And in theory, Boxberger would also have been unavailable. But the bullpen is thin. He brings in Trevor Kelly working for a second consecutive day. Uh, Kelly fails to record an out, gives up four hits, four earned runs and a home run on the day and just that plays the Cubs back into the game. I think, I think both of us thought that that might've been a time for uh, Luke Barker's debut, um, but it was not to be. And just, just, I don't know what the point was. What, why call him up and then you're not using him because you're calling him up in case you need him. And with the way the situation played out, you really needed him. And I don't know. <laughs> you could have. Uh, it it, it kind of carries over into the two games. It's just like it's not like it's something that okay, that's the reason they lose. It's just it's a curious decision that actually has a knock on effect in the two losses, because maybe you could have saved an inning for anyone else for the next day too. You get away with that. That works out. But yeah, just a strange decision to to call him up and then. He's all to be sent back before even making an appearance. Yeah, I think that would have been the spot for him, especially with Kelly having worked game one of the the uh, first or game one of the double header and was not his sharpest. Bringing him in into that situation might have given him the day. Throw Barker and then go got Suter, flip a coin. It, they didn't have a lot of good options, but Barker probably definitely should have been used in that situation. I know Brewers fans uh, on Twitter have been looking forward to to Barker getting his debut for some time. So uh, with the attrition in the bullpen, you think he will get a chance here at some point. Um, but yeah, and then you get to a situation in a tie ball game, uh, Boxberger out of necessity because of the lack of arms available has to come into a game where he probably should have got the day off after pitching two innings the day before gives up a home run. Uh, Cubs win eight seven, easily easily a game the Brewers could have won, uh, but it's just the nature of the tough situation they're in with the arms that are available. It was not to be, um, but yeah. Uh, I wonder. I wonder who would have and... gone the, the ninth. That's like I wonder would would Barker have got the ninth because even if that's the process, I don't know why you wouldn't go Barker in the eight and say box like for the ninth, if then it worked your way where you, you're in a spot where you're trying to cause out a win. I, I If it, if it were a situation unusual, where... That's where I'm at on that if one. It, if it were a situation where Boxberger had not worked the ninth the night before, sure. I had to, or, or not the night, if not worked two innings the day before, I 100% understand going box there because he's your best bullpen arm in that point, mm-hmm. and it's a tie game. It's the game. kind of spot you, you usually if, put him in, too, is seventh or eighth. And if you don't if you don't get to the the bottom of the ninth, it doesn't matter who you have available to pitch there. But just with him working 
uh, the night before. I don't know. It just felt like stretching things a little too thin. Might have been a good time for Barker. Uh, but a- as counsel said in the post-game press conference uh, it, after game four, they asked him, all right, is your bullpen kind of reset? And he laughed and was like, no, we're not reset. Like we, <laughs> we've played however many games and however many days and uh, gotten a few out, uh, starting performances that, you know, didn't even go three innings or four innings. And yeah, it's, it's going to take the off day. I think, uh, I think it's going to take some, beyond that. Yeah. It's, it's going to take some time for them to, to feel like, okay, everyone's rested. We got our full complement of guys. I mean, uh, like you said, baseball is just not built for human beings' bodies, and throwing a baseball is not a natural motion. And so the the injuries and the uh, pileup and the fatigue that's going to come from these situations is not ideal. But uh, we press onward, and Game 4 featured another tight loss, but there was also some positives to take out of this. Uh, Adam, for the content for a while now, we've been looking forward to – Jason Alexander making his major league debut on the mound because we are both uh, Seinfeld fans uh, and are familiar. If anyone's familiar, not familiar with Seinfeld, an actor named Jason Alexander played uh, an iconic character who's basically Larry David named George Costanza. And uh, I think a lot of Brewers Twitter was very heavy on the memes. The team account was very heavy on the Seinfeld quotes during the game. But you know what? As Adam McAlvey said, turns out this guy can pitch. And pitch he did. Uh, thoughts on your first look at Jason Alexander? Was it everything you hoped it would be? Oh, and more. I I committed to a bit, essentially, without giving too much thought to it, which was that I was going to, inning by inning, come up with a different George Costanza uh, gift to share to sum up the inning. And honestly, by the end of it, I was like, um, I have a problem here that there's only so many like really positive George Costanza gifts. And I was running out of them because Alexander was just racking up these perfect innings. Um, Very impressive. Like, again, big moment. And a guy who's further along on his journey and unlike Eaton Small, who's a first round draft pick, like his journey was very uncertain to begin with. I very nearly uh, took a high school coaching job. I don't know if you sent me something. I just see a tweet about that yesterday. Um, but he was just about to take a high school coaching job essentially before the opportunity came around that some give it a go. So this is the kind of story that, you know, how could you not be romantic about baseball, Andrew? It's a guy who's worked for, I don't know, the best part of a decade now to get to this point even more beyond that. And here you are, you get your chance. You come out of the gate, you struggle like rough first inning, but you get out of trouble, take a deep breath. And from there, it was absolutely exceptional. Like just really, really good stuff. Great control. I had a lot of fun watching him. I don't know. I mean, obviously we've talked to someone like Adrian Hauser, who's a ground ball pitcher, but I don't, I don't know if I've seen someone where the emphasis is as clear. Like there were three strikeouts at the end they came later in this to be a ground ball pitcher and to have the kind of control over that to not really let too much get away from you at all that Jason Alexander showed in this game to me was like immensely enjoyable to watch. I don't know if I fully would have predicted that ahead of time, um, but he's really got something like, I mean, it's not like, oh, this is an absolute gem. The Brewers will lock is going to be a key starter for them for many years. But he's good, and he handled the moment well. And you would think there's at least one more start from here. And if he does well in that start, then it's a case of, like, who knows? And it would be very difficult to just be like, well, there isn't a role of some sort that we're going to work out for this guy. Because as we talked about, they may need to adapt some stuff with him, but they need some reliable bullpen arms who could go multiple innings. Maybe he's someone who could do that over the course later in the season. But at minimum, it's just cool to see a guy with that kind of story where this is the biggest moment in their life. It's not even like he's so early in his career where, like we've said with with Small, where we can just assume, oh, well, he's going to be back. It didn't go to plan, but he'll be back. With Jason Alexander, if this had gone really poorly, does he get another chance? I don't know. So it's great to see a guy like that get their shot and then to take full advantage of it. Just 
could not be more impressed at what he did. Um, yeah, I had read a story um, that I think he, he had been in school at Long Beach State and had struggled and left and then reemerged at an NAIA school called Menlo and, and was very good there. Then ended up, uh, you know, getting into the minors and just taking this long journey to making his major league debut at the age of 29. Just a really cool story. He's a guy who obviously was battled through adversity and you wait so long for this moment and you come out and you give you give the Brewers seven innings that they desperately needed because <laughs> we've been <laughs> relentlessly harping on the bullpen uh, issues all all episode because they're real because baseball is wild. Uh, but it was essential that no matter what happened in this game, he went deep into the game and he did that seven innings pitch. Uh, seven hits scattered across those seven innings, three runs. Only two of them were earned, three walks, three strikeouts, heavily relying on that sinker. I was looking, trying to find the stat cast pitch mix breakdown to see kind of like where the balance was there because he also throws a slider and a changeup. But obviously he was just hammering them inside with sinkers. And I think it's a situation where I think he will be a really good fit for uh, starts when this team has its full complement of infield defenders back. Uh, just I imagine a game where he's just peppering Colton Long and Willie Adamas with ground balls and you're just getting out after out that way. So really nice to see. That's even like, sorry to go across you, but that's a testament to him as well because we have talked in the past, like you've got Colton Long here um, who did, he got plenty of work. Rowdy was playing. That's good. Yeah. But you've got Mike Brasso, a shortstop, and you've got Jace, a third, who as good as he has been, like this is not your first choice infield. And if you're to draw up, okay, a pitcher of this profile, their debut, what do we want around them? Like, ideally, you'd be like, okay, well, let's have our, our number one choice infield there to replay to Jason Alexander's strengths. They didn't have that. And altogether, kind of everyone did what they needed to do to get the job done in his innings. Yeah, uh, Colton and Jace played particularly well on defense, I thought, this game. Uh, Colton made an outstanding diving play. Uh, had a few up the middle uh, double plays that he turned himself. The the only error was a throwing error by Narvaez. So just like you said, not the first choice infield, but they came out and uh, really performed the way they needed to. Um, yeah, and Alexander just can't can't say more about what he did in a, in his debut after a long arduous career. I don't know if you mentioned this earlier, but Adam McCalvey uh, said that he's only the tenth Brewers pitcher to pitch at least uh starter sorry to pitch at least seven innings in his debut uh just really well done i mean uh this was another game the brewers could have won uh but it made it to manfred ball which i've since learned the rule was somehow related to to softball tiebreakers um i don't know if this is like beer league softball or or fast pitch not sure which but uh the rule is uh in place and it exists and i still can we can it. we just revisit the, the suggestion i made which is that everyone should have the option to either go or or to do both of this go top of the order and choose who's on I, I definitely want it right now but <laughs> that, that's the example the where it's like just the, the way it breaks the cubs got to have top of the order up and the Brewers, <laughs> the Brewers had low cane going first. You're like, oh, come on. Like, and there has been some signs of improvement for Lorenzo Kane recently. Uh, maybe his worst at bats of the season, though, came in this game. Um, I do not understand. Well, look, I do. And we talk about this privately. The reason why a pinch hitter doesn't come in for Lorenzo Kane at that point, the reason why it wasn't. Luis Arias or Victor Caratini, both of whom are being very reliable with the bat and would seem ideal for, okay, we've got a guy on second. Let's let's get a single or let's just get something in play that gives us a chance here. Those two guys are doing logical, obviously struggling as well. Andrew McCutcheon right now, I'd still be taking Kutch over Low Kane's bat like 10 times out of 10. Um, asked about this after the game. Did he consider it? Craig Council's response was, as succinct as it could be, he just said no. And I guess that's tied into like the relationship with Locaine, years of trust built up with him, and um, trying to continue to manage that 
manage that relationship, manages confidence in the host in the hopes that this is not something that they're going to have all season and that there is a point where it's like, okay, low Kane's up. That's not a disaster. But you're really, you're stacking the deck against yourself at that point with the top of the order coming for the Cubs. And it's like, Hobby Milner came in, didn't really do anything wrong, but in Manford ball, as you call it, there's not a lot you can do. Like, it doesn't take you doing anything wrong, any kind of contact, and you're probably going to lose the game if you've already come up empty. And thanks to Jace Peterson, the uh, Brewers still got themselves in a position to to do what the Cubs did and just found some bad luck. Ground ball, or not ground ball, sorry, pitching the dirt. Jace gets a tremendous read and takes third. So runner on third with one out, Colton Wong to the plate, infield in. Hits the ball hard right up the middle. Nick Madrigal makes the play. Uh, Peterson was running on contact. That was just going to be the set play and the throw to the plate. Beats him by a mile. Tried to hurdle Wilson Contreras. Uh, you know, I'm going to give him an A-plus for effort, but uh, didn't work out. And then sack fly from Morrell for the Cubs scores Jason Hayward after he advanced on a ground out to third. Uh, and like you said, that is Manfred Ball. Another game the Brewers could have won. I will say, as much as we've been talking about all the bullpen, uh, you know, is, is wearing down. Got two really good performances uh, from Miguel Sanchez Mm -hmm. and, and then Devin Williams uh, makes it interesting as he often does, but still got out of the inning. Uh, And then Milner, like you said, wasn't, wasn't bad. He got a ground ball out and a sack fly out. Like that's, that's not on Hobie Milner. That's on the rules and kind of is what it is in that situation. Uh, To, to even, I guess uh, I do want to speak about one moment in the game as well. Uh, that is, I guess, doesn't have anything to do with the result. But I, I, I want to talk about two moments, actually. And it seems like my luck with video review as a Liverpool fan has really translated <laughs> to the Milwaukee Brewers. And I say luck, but they were right calls in both circumstances. 100% the right calls for both. Yeah, so there's one moment in the game uh, in the fifth inning. Jace Peterson doubled to center. Jason Lane of Richard Linklater fame. Uh makes an aggressive send to send Mike Brofson to the plate throw beats him. Contreras is arguably blocking the plate, but no matter that fact, Mike Brasso with an acrobatic slide to get the foot in originally called out council and his, his video crew in the dugout says, no, we want to take a look at that call gets reversed. Rosso got the foot in. So kudos to the umpires for not being stubborn. Uh, And then I think in the, in the ninth or the yeah the ninth inning with Devin Williams on the mound, if I'm remembering this correctly, the final out in that inning was a pickoff throw to to Rowdy at first base. The eighth uh, name was with Devin Williams. No, sorry, the ninth because we had extra innings. Yeah, Apologies. yeah, he threw the ninth. Uh, and a pickoff originally called safe on the field. Video review correctly determined that the tag beat the runner, and there we go. So it didn't ultimately matter in the result. But it's it's nice to when video review helps you and doesn't screw you over. And uh, I had seen some chatter on Twitter from fans and beat writers that that has not always been the case for the Brewers. I want to do some digging into that and see if I can find some metrics on how the Brewers have been screwed over by video review. Just some familiar with what that process was like. I my experience so far, my feel on it is that the umpires are incredibly conservative with overturning a call. And I guess that's always like, it's got to be so blatantly obvious that even with both of those where it's like, yeah, you could see that's happened. I was still doubtful because you're like, yeah, I could see it, but it's close. It's close enough that they could just be the call the field stands. But thankfully they, they didn't. There were two good reviews. We will move on to master brew points uh, in a minute. Like we said, series split two, two, six and five on the road trip. 32 and 20 on the season, two game lead over the Cardinals in the central Um, got to the end of that game, had some questions about bullpen uses. I also wanted to say this uh, per Adam McAlvey. Again, if I say his name one more time, he will pop out of the computer screen (laughs) and be here with us, joining us for the podcast. Uh, Council said in the post game interview that 
Hader was not available just as a matter of caution, pitched twice on Monday, obviously. Uh, he said he, he lobbied to pitch, but he wasn't all the way there. And where we're at right now, it didn't make sense tonight. We played 14 games in 13 games. We've, days. We've extended a bunch of guys, and we're at a time where we have to exercise caution. I get it. If Hader's not 100% uh, in terms of recovery and getting back to the point where he needs to be, no sense in, in risking uh, losing more yeah. than one game because Josh he- Hader hurts himself. You've got to be even more cautious with your other key guys at this point, too, because with Freddie down for a long time, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Woody's injury, although it is the same as Willie Adamas, um, we've seen how that one can linger, too, so that could take a bit of time. I, I mean, I think the guys that you're going to take even extra caution with, well, I mean, you'd think Box, Devin, and Hayter in terms of your bullpen, but obviously we saw box and we saw hater push a little bit further, but uh, I think that made sense. And with you down to bare bones right now, like no game is worth any kind of further um, amplified risk of injury for those guys. Like the risk is there, it's inbuilt, but I, I don't think any game against the Cubs is worth kind of pushing beyond that. So yeah, no, no issues on that. I'm guessing we'll probably see Hader available again uh, for the Padres series. Absolutely. Moving on to the Master Brewer leaderboard through 52 games, Adam, uh, picking up a brew point in this series. Aaron Ashby, like we said, six innings pitch, one earned run, 12 strikeouts. Great outing from Ashby. Uh, Might have gone seven without some some bad luck on soft contact in that seventh. Josh Hader, you get two saves in the same day. You're going to get a beer. 16 and two-thirds innings this season, 18 saves, 26 strikeouts. As I said in the last episode, he's the best reliever in baseball. Enjoy this. Jason Alexander goes without saying, comes in and makes his major league debut, does a good job. Seven innings, only two earned runs, uh, relying on that sinker to get ground balls and left the game in a 3-3 tie, giving the Brewers a chance to win, essential with the – uh, injuries to Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta. Jace Peterson, extra base Jace. Um, a guy, like we said, has just been so versatile, played first base, right field, third base, left field, and second base over the course of the season. His batting lines up to 231, 314, 444, a WRC plus of 112. You'll take that from a utility guy every day. Living on uh, base and after- living on the, the Master Brew leaderboard right now. He, yeah, he really is, it, especially because of how consistent his play has been of late, of late after a tough start of the year, really starting to, to rack up points. Tyrone Taylor, another series with multiple home runs, had a tough game four. I think he needs a day off. Just, you know, get, give him a minute to, to recoup, and then he'll be back in the, the uh, lineup providing some home runs. Victor Caratini, a multi-homer series from him, including that big, three-run homer in game three uh 230 324 443 line on the season four homers 10 rbi uh just a great pickup and then brad boxberger allowed the tough luck game-winning homer in game three of the series but his performance in game two was essential getting out of that bases loaded jam jam adding another scoreless inning boxberger having another consistent season and uh he gets a beer for that leaderboard through 52 games rowdy Telez with seven Corbin Burns with six, Josh Hader with five, Jace Peterson, Christian Yelich, Willie Adamas with four, Tyrone Taylor, Aaron Ashby, Freddie Peralta, Eric Lauer, Hunter Renfro, Devin Williams with three, Brandon Woodruff, Colton Wong, Andrew McCutcheon, Luis Urias, Adrian Hauser, and Keston Hero with two. And with a single beer on the year, Brad Boxberger, Jason Alexander, Victor Caratini, Trevor Gott, Omar Narvaez. That is your Master Brewer leaderboard through 52 games for your 32 and 20 Milwaukee Brewers. It's a lot of names. We've maybe reached a point where we need to stop, particularly as they continue to have to kind of go deeper and deeper into their minor league system just to to field teams uh, for most of these games. So, yeah, it's great to see. Great to see it get shared around, though. Um, Any very quick thoughts? Big series coming up, four-game series against San Diego Padres. Um, Nationally rival, currently one game back of the Brewers in the standings. This would be one where it'd be very nice to like come up with a sweep somehow, but given the circumstances, given the need for a day off, that's not going to come to the other side of this. What are you, what are you looking from 
from this? Would you take I think a series split right now might be kind of good for good for both parties, maybe, but particularly the Brewers? Yeah, honestly, I, I would live with the split. I think it, even in this 11-game uh, stretch, some people might look at the individual games and, and be unhappy with how they slipped away in, in winnable moments. But I think if going into this stretch, you said the Brewers are going to come out of it 6-5, and five, you would have taken that. And I think that's another situation here against the Padres, who we know are a good team, who we just played a, a very tight and competitive series with. They are coming in in, in a not-so-great spot, uh, having lost three in a row um, to the Cardinals. So, like you said, for both parties, they might take a split. Maybe the Cardinals or the Padres are in kind of a bad way right now, and the Brewers can take advantage of that slump and, and continue to pile on. We'll have to see. Tonight, uh, 6.40 Central start, Sean Manea versus Adrian Hauser. Friday, 7.10 Central start. Joe Musgrove versus Corbin Burns. Saturday, a 310 Central start. Mackenzie Gore versus Aaron Ashby. And then the to wrap up the series, Sunday, a 110 Central start. Mike Clevenger versus Eric Lauer. So a lot of interesting pitching matchups there. Saturday or Friday, obviously, is the headliner. Joe Musgrove versus Burns. But Mackenzie Gore, a really young and talented left-hander for the Padres against similarly a young and talented left-hander for the Brewers, Aaron Ashby, is one that's really intriguing to me. That, no surprise no surprise you're like the two young lefties that's that's what i'm most excited for all right i think that does it for us for now uh make sure you subscribe just wherever you get your podcasts that's cruising for a bruising you should also subscribe to the eurostep podcast network that's where you'll find myself and jordan tresky talking all things Milwaukee books on win and six along with ty windish and Rowan cuddy talking all things Milwaukee books on the eurostep you can subscribe to our Substack, gspn.substack.com. You'll get a variety of articles there, but you'll also get all podcast episodes directly to your inbox, along with our write-ups for the Master Brew Leaderboard. If you want to rep the pod, support us, gspnstore.com, all sorts of cruising for bruising, designs, um, merch, apparel up there. Go check that out. And yeah, I think that's pretty much it. We're on Twitter at BrewersGSPN. I'm at AdamMcGee11. Andrew's at AC Snide. Until next time, thanks as always to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. <laughs>